Hi, this is book three, episode 10 of Puritans Read, where we read great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Continuing today, The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, chapter four, showing the characteristics of a godly man, and section 10, The Uses. Use one, it brands those as ungodly who have none of God's spirit. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans 8, 9. And if he is none of Christ, then whose is he? To what regiment does he belong? It is the misery of a sinner that he has none of God's spirit. I think it is very offensive to hear men who never had God's spirit say, Take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Psalm fifty-one, eleven. Will those who are drunkards and swearers say they have God's spirit in them? Do those who are malicious and unclean have God's spirit? It would be blasphemy to say these have the spirit. Will the blessed spirit leave his celestial palace to come and live in a prison? A sinner's heart is a jail, both for darkness and obnoxiousness. And will God's free spirit be confined to a prison? Psalm fifty-one, twelve. A sinner's heart is the emblem of hell. What should God's spirit do there? Wicked hearts are not a temple, but a pigsty, where the unclean spirit makes his abode, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Ephesians 2, 2. We would be loath to live in a house haunted by evil spirits. A sinner's heart is haunted. After the sob, Satan entered. John thirteen twenty seven. Satan abuses the godly, but enters into the wicked. When the devils went into the herd of swine, they ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Matthew eight thirty two. Why is it that men run so greedily to the commission of sin, but because the devil has entered into these swine? Secondly, this cuts off from godliness those who not only lack the spirit, but deride him. Like those Jews who said, these men are full of new wine. Acts 2.13 And indeed, so the apostles were. They were full of the wine of the spirit. How God's spirit is scoffed at by the sons of Belial. These, say they, are men of the Spirit. O wretches, to make those tongues which should be organs of God's praise, instruments to blaspheme. Have you none to throw your squibs at but the Spirit? Deriding the Spirit comes very near to despising him. How can men be sanctified but by the Spirit? Therefore, to reproach him is to make merry with their own damnation. Use 2. As you would be listed in the number of the godly, strive for the blessed indwelling of the Spirit. Pray with Melanchthon, Lord, inflame my soul with thy Holy Spirit, and with the spouse, awake, O north wind, and come thou south, blow upon my garden. Song of Solomon 4, 16. As a mariner would desire a wind to drive him to sea, so beg for the prosperous gales of the Spirit, and the promise may add wings to prayer. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him?
Luke eleven thirteen. God's spirit is a rich jewel. Go to God for him. Lord, give me thy spirit. Where is the jewel you promised me? When shall my soul be like Gideon's fleece, wet with the dew of heaven? Consider how necessary the spirit is. Without him, we can do nothing acceptable to God. Number one, we cannot pray without him. He is a spirit of supplications, Zechariah 12, 10. He helps both the inventiveness and the affection. The spirit helps us with sighs and groans, Romans 8, 26. Number two, we cannot resist temptation without him. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Acts 1, 8. He who has the tide of corrupt nature and the wind of temptation must of necessity be carried down the stream of sin if the contrary wind of the Spirit does not blow. Number three, we cannot be fruitful without the Spirit. The golden rain from heaven waters the thirsty hearts. Why is the Spirit compared to dew and rain but to show us how unable we are to bring forth a crop of grace unless the dew of God falls upon us? Number four. Without the Spirit, no ordinance is effectual to us. Ordinances are the conduit pipes of grace, but the Spirit is the spring. Some are content that they have a Levite to their priest, Judges 17.13, but never look any further, as if a merchant should be content that his ship has good tackling and is well manned, though it never has a gale of wind. The ship of ordinances will not carry us to heaven, though an angel is the pilot, unless the wind of God's Spirit blows. The Spirit is the soul of the Word, without which it is but a dead letter. Ministers may prescribe medicine, but it is God's Spirit who must make it work. Our hearts are like David's body when it grew old. They covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. 1 Kings 1, 1. So, though the ministers of God ply us with prayers and counsel as with hot clothes, yet we are cold and chilly till God's Spirit comes. And then we say, like the disciples, did not our heart burn within us? Luke 24, 32. Oh, therefore, what need we have of the Spirit? Thirdly, you who have the blessed Spirit manifested by his energy and vital operations. First, acknowledge God's distinguishing love. The Spirit is an earmark of election. 1 John 3.24 Christ gave the bag to Judas, but not his spirit. The spirit is a love token. Where God gives his spirit as a pawn, he gives himself as a portion. The spirit is a comprehensive blessing. He is put for all good things. Matthew 7.11 What would you be without the spirit, but like so many carcasses, Without this, Christ would not profit you. The blood of God is not enough without the breath of God. Oh, then be thankful for the Spirit. This lodestone will never stop drawing you 
till it has drawn you up to heaven. Second, if you have the Spirit, do not grieve him. Ephesians 4.30 Shall we grieve our Comforter? Question, how do we grieve the Spirit? Answer, one. When we unkindly repel his motions, the Spirit sometimes whispers in our ears and calls to us, as God did to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. Genesis 35, 1. So the Spirit says, Arise, go to prayer, retire to meet your God. Now when we stifle these motions and entertain temptations to vanity, this is grieving the Spirit. If we check the motions of the Spirit, we shall lose the comforts of the Spirit. Answer 2. We grieve the Spirit when we deny the work of the Spirit in our hearts. If someone gives another person a token and he should deny it and say he never received it, this would be to abuse the love of his friend. So, Christian, when God has given you his Spirit, witnessed by those meltings of heart and passionate desires for heaven, yet you deny that you ever had any renewing work of the Spirit in you. This is base ingratitude and grieves the good spirit. Renounce the sinful works of the flesh, but do not deny the gracious work of the spirit. Section 11. A godly man is a humble man. He is like the sun in the zenith, which when it is at the highest, shows lowest. St. Augustine calls humility the mother of grace. But before I show you who the humble man is, I shall lay down three distinctions. Number one, I distinguish between being humbled and humble. A man may be humbled and not humble. A sinner may be humbled by affliction. His condition is low, but not his disposition. A godly man is not only humbled, but humble. His heart is as low as his condition. Number two, I distinguish between outward and inward humility. There is a great deal of difference between humble behavior and a humble spirit. Firstly, a person may behave humbly towards others, yet be proud. Who more humble than Absalom in his outward behavior? When any man came near to do him obeisance, Absalom took him by the hand and kissed him. 2 Samuel 15, 5. But though he acted humbly, he aspired to the crown. As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. Verse 10. Here was pride, dressed in humility's mantle. Secondly, a person may behave humbly towards God, yet be proud. Ahab put on sackcloth and fasted and went softly. 1 Kings 21, 27. But his heart was not humble. A man may bow his head like a bulrush, yet lift up the ensigns of pride in his heart. Number three, I distinguish between humility and policy. Many make a show of humility to achieve their own ends. The papists seem to be the most humble, mortified saints, 
but it is rather subtlety than humility. For by this means they get the revenues of the earth into their possession. All this they may do, and yet have no godliness. Question. How may a Christian know that he is humble and consequently godly? Answer one. A humble soul is emptied of all swelling thoughts of himself. Bernard calls humility a self-annihilation. Thou wilt save the humble. Job twenty-two twenty-nine. In the Hebrew, it is him that is of low eyes. A humble man has lower thoughts of himself than others can have of him. David, though a king, still looked upon himself as a worm. I am a worm and no man. Psalm 22, 6. Bradford, a martyr, still subscribes himself a sinner. If I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. Job 10, 15. Like the violet, which is a sweet flower, but hangs down the head. Answer 2. A humble soul thinks better of others than of himself. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Philemon 2, 3. A humble man values others at a higher rate than himself, and the reason is because he can see his own heart better than he can another's. He sees his own corruption and thinks surely it is not so with others. Their graces are not so weak as his. Their corruptions are not so strong. Surely, he thinks, they have better hearts than I. A humble Christian studies his own infirmities and another's excellences, and that makes him put a higher value upon others than himself. Surely I am more brutish than any man. Proverbs 30, 2. And Paul, though he was the chief of the apostles, calls himself less than the least of all the saints. Ephesians 3, 8. Answer 3. A humble soul has a low esteem of his duties. Pride is apt to breed in our holy things as the worm breeds in the sweetest fruit and froth comes from the most generous wine. A humble person bemoans not only his sins, but also his duties. When he has prayed and wept, alas, he says, how little I have done. God might damn me for all this. He says like good Nehemiah, remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me. Nehemiah 13, 22. Remember, Lord, how I have poured out my soul, but spare me and pardon me. He sees that his best duties weigh many grains too light. Therefore, he desires that Christ's merits may be put into the scales. The humble saint blushes when he looks at his copy. He sees he cannot write evenly nor without blotting. This humbles him to think that his best duties run to seed. He drops poison upon his sacrifice. Oh, he says, I dare not say I have prayed or wept. Those which I write down as duties, God might write down as sins. Answer four. A humble man is always preferring bills of indictment against himself. He complains not of his condition, but of his heart. Oh, this evil heart of unbelief. Lord, says Hooper, I am hell, but thou art heaven. 
A hypocrite is forever telling how good he is. A humble soul is forever saying how bad he is. Paul, that high-flown saint, was caught up into the third heaven. But how this bird of paradise bemoans his corruptions. O wretched man that I am. Romans 7.24 Holy Bradford subscribes himself the hard-hearted sinner. The more knowledge a humble Christian has, the more he complains of ignorance. The more faith, the more he bewails his unbelief. Answer 5. A humble man will justify God in an afflicted condition. How be it thou art just in all that is brought upon us. Nehemiah 9.33 If men oppress and calumniate, the humble soul acknowledges God's righteousness in the midst of severity. Lo, I have sinned. 2 Samuel 24.17 Lord, my pride, my barrenness, my sermon surfeiting have been the procuring cause of all these judgments. When clouds are round about God, yet Righteousness is in the habitation of his throne. Psalm 97, 2. Answer 6. A humble soul is a Christ magnifier. Philemon 1, 20. He gives the glory of all his actions to Christ in free grace. King Canute took the crown off his own head and set it upon a crucifix. So a humble saint takes the crown of honor from his own head and sets it upon Christ. And the reason is the love that he bears to Christ. Love can part with anything to the object loved. Isaac loved Rebekah, and he gave away his jewels to her. Genesis 24, 53. The humble saint loves Christ entirely, therefore can part with anything to him. He gives away to Christ the honor and praise of all he does. Let Christ wear those jewels. Answer 7. A humble soul is willing to take a reproof for sin. A wicked man is too high to stoop to a reproof. The prophet Micaiah used to tell King Ahab of his sin, and the king said, I hate him. 1 Kings 22.8 Reproof to a proud man is like pouring water on lime, which grows the hotter. A gracious soul loves the one who reproves. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Proverbs 9, 8. The humble-spirited Christian can bear the reproach of an enemy and the reproof of a friend. Answer 8. A humble man is willing to have his name and gifts eclipsed so that God's glory may be increased. He is content to be outshone by others in gifts and esteem so that the crown of Christ may shine the brighter. This is the humble man's motto. Let me decrease, let Christ increase. It is his desire that Christ should be exalted, and if this is affected, whoever is the instrument, he rejoices. Some preach Christ of envy. Philemon 1.15 They preached to take away some of Paul's hearers, well, says he, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Verse 18. A humble Christian is content to be laid aside if God has any other tools to work with, which may bring him more glory. 
Answer nine. A humble saint likes that condition which God sees best for him. A proud man complains that he has no more. A humble man wonders that he has so much. I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies. Genesis 32:10. When the heart lies low, it can stoop to a low condition. A Christian looking at his sins wonders that it is no worse with him. He does not say his mercies are small, but his sins are great. He knows that the worst peace God carves him is better than he deserves. Therefore, he takes it, thankfully, upon his knees. Answer 10. A humble Christian will stoop to the meanest person and the lowest office. He will visit the poorest member of Christ. Lazarus' sores are more precious to him than dives purple. He does not say, Stand by, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. Isaiah 65, 5. But condescends to men of low estate. Romans 12, 16. This has been Book 3, Episode 10 of Puritan's Read. We read The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson. Chapter 4, the second part of Section 10 and the first part of Section 11.